We are in the Gospel of Luke. We've been in the Gospel of Luke for several weeks now um, in a series that we're calling Outside In. Uh, what we're doing is tracking stories and teachings of Jesus that show how He opened the way for outsiders to come in. Hence the name. Um, to be in community with God's people and with God Himself. And how He often um, pointed to, highlighted, focused, centered outsiders in order to challenge those who were on the inside who assumed that they were already in. Assumed that they had nothing to learn or nothing to change in their lives. And so we're talking about God's centering love through this series. How God takes the forgotten and the marginalized and He makes them central to the conversation of how His love is born out into the world in every particular circumstance. Today, we're in Luke 8. Uh, towards the end, verse 26 to 39, if you've read through Luke before, you'll probably remember this story because you may have thought to yourself, what in the world is going on in Gerasene? Um, there's a lot happening here. So let's read together Luke 8, verse 26 to the end of the story. They, that is Jesus and the disciples, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived among the tombs. When, Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. I want to start with a question this morning, and this is it. What are you afraid of? Like at a deep level, 
I'm petrified of bees. You all know this. I've talked about it before. I would run down my own children to get away from bees. I may have done it once or twice, (laughs) but that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) I mean at a deep level, what are you afraid of? What causes you fear? Uh, Fear is one of our core emotions, like it or not. It's part of who we are. It's built into our existence. We have joy, we have excitement, sadness, disgust, anger. If you ever watched uh, Inside Out the opposite of the name of the series, but the Pixar movie uh, about all those emotions inside the little girl Riley and how they interact with each other and, and uh, cause her to feel certain things. Um, fear is one of those for us. Um, part of my own spiritual work over the last several years is to get in touch with some of my emotions, how I feel and, and what's going on inside of me at a deep level. The reason being, um, the reason that I'm doing some of this work is that somewhere along the way, I think I made a deal with myself to avoid my emotions, to not allow them to get the better of me, and even to deny that they exist, which incidentally doesn't make them go away, it just actually gives them dominion over you in ways that you aren't in touch with. But emotions, and um, especially bad ones like fear and sadness, I didn't find them helpful. I don't know who does uh, initially. Um, And because I didn't find them helpful, even uh, they were even scary to look at, um, I made this subconscious deal to ignore them. And part of my work over the last uh, 12 months or so has been to get in touch with them again and to name them as I feel them to note what work that they're doing in my life and what triggers them to occur when they happen. And I found that uh, fear often visits me when I take the time to slow down enough to meet God in my reality. Turns out I'm afraid of a lot of things. (laughs) And one of the things that I've become uh, most aware of in the last 12 months that I've explored, I mentioned this before, in counseling and observed with uh, people, um, particularly as people move away, you know, move to other states or other continents. I had a lot of opportunity to dive into this. Um, That there is this fear that I have that I won't have enough of me, energy, wisdom, time, to keep people from leaving. Notice this is a deep fear in my life. That there isn't enough of me to hold people to me. In other words, it's, it's a fear of being alone, isolated, abandoned. And I'm learning to, to, to detect when this fear arises. As I said, I've had a lot of opportunities this year. Um, and I'll talk more about this at the end, but I'm learning to name when it happens. Now, here's, this is the deal that I've made with myself to keep this fear at bay. All of us have these deals that we've made with ourselves to hold fear back. And um, this is going to sound ironic or backwards, especially if you're an extrovert, because I'm an introvert, and so this is going to sound crazy to you. Um, but one of, the, one of the deals that, I, that I've made is that I numb this fear by learning to keep myself company with my own thoughts. 
Those of you who are introverts, there's like probably four of us in the room, like real ones, <laughs> are like, oh yeah, I could do this all day, you know? <laughs> so as, as an introvert, I put my faith in my active thought life as a way to insulate myself from the fear of being alone. Does that make sense? So if I'm going to end up alone anyway, if I don't have enough to like keep people uh, in community with me, then I'll make it so that I'm really good at being alone. <laughs> that I'm the only one that I can trust with this deep need that I have. What are you afraid of? At a deep level. And how does this fear um, of what you need but don't think that you have show up in your life? And what... What does it feel like in your body? What deals have you made to manage and control this deep fear that all humans have? Today we proclaim the good news that Jesus disarms our deepest fears. And He disrupts the deals that we've made to keep our fear at bay. Jesus protects and provides, so fear has no dominion here. There is deliverance and healing available to us, protection and provision in the Lordship of Jesus. Um, the story that we just read is bananas. There are pigs and tombs and demons and crazy strong naked men Where do you even begin? Like, what, what is happening in the garrisons? This is a crazy town. There's some background here that we have to explore in order to understand what's going on here. And here's the background. The, Jesus and his disciples, they arrive in the garrisons by boat from Galilee, and something remarkable happened on the way across the lake. Do you remember what that thing was? A storm. Yeah. And what happened in the storm? Yeah, Jesus was sleeping and he wakes up, he calms the storm. The wind and the waves obey Jesus' command. Um, and then the disciples, they react to this action. Um, verse 25 of Luke 8 says, In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey Him. I want to suggest this morning that um, they interpreted that event as a cosmic battle against spiritual forces that control the wind and the waves. Um, see, there was a, a God myth, a Ugaritic God myth, you don't need to remember that term, but uh, about a particular deity named Baal. And the history of this deity says that he had defeated another deity called Yom and was given dominion over storms above and waters below. And so the calming of the storm isn't just a cool magic trick or a way to get the disciples out of the dam. It is Jesus defeating Baal. It is Him conquering this local ancient deity and the dominion that he had over the water. 
And so they arrive in the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, and they encounter a man who lived among the tombs who had many demons. And this man comes and he confronts Jesus as soon as he gets there. What's happening? Well, this cosmic battle that started on the sea is continuing as a showdown on the shore. This is the next front line of the war. Because the same God, Baal, who was thought to control the storms, was also said to control the spirits of the underworld. This is round two. This man who comes at Jesus is an icon of this God. He represents what Baal does to people in this region. This is enemy territory. And this man and his crazy antics fill the people of this region of the Gerasenes with incredible fear. So that's him. But then there are these pigs. Like, what's up with the pigs? I think most people read this story and they feel sorry for the pigs and the pig owners, you know? Like, what in the world did these little piggies do to deserve being drowned in a lake? <laughs> I mean, Peter would be, uh, you know, all upset over this. Um, well, this is a Gentile, non-Jewish region, and part of why they have pigs is because pigs are also associated with Baal, and were sacrificed to appease him and keep his power at bay. There are songs to Baal that would talk about going into battle with his boars. This man embodies all that can happen to you if you don't keep the program, and pigs are part of this story. And it seems that this deal that the community has made to keep this fear at bay was to develop a whole economy around pigs and to scapegoat this man as an icon or an emblem of the power of Baal. It's a reminder of what can happen to you if you don't follow the rules. There are people making money off of Baal here. So we have a, a naked man who lives among dead people who has demons in him and he's a Gentile and they're sacrificing pigs here. Luke is telling us this is the perfect storm of impurity. God is not here. And no, and no Jew in his right mind would step foot on this shore. And yet Jesus walks right into this storm, this situation. But instead of participating in the appeasement of the gods and the fear that drives this culture, he confronts the cosmic battle that began on the Sea of Galilee. He, he, he goes after the spiritual forces that are holding this man and his whole community hostage to fear by commanding the demons to come out. Jesus is waging war against spiritual forces in the heavenly realms that incite and use fear to dominate and control. He claims authority over wind, water, evil spirits of the dead, the exact places of Baal's authority to liberate people from the prison of fear. Today we proclaim the good news that this is what Jesus does, friends. Jesus disarms our deepest fears and he disrupts the deals we've made to hold that fear at bay. Jesus protects and provides, so, G so fear has no dominion here. 
There is deliverance and healing today for you. There is protection and provision in the Lordship of Jesus. So Jesus shows up and and there's a bit of a struggle here. There's an interplay between Jesus and the demons that we, um, I don't know, most people scratch their head at this. Like, why does, why does Jesus even entertain this conversation with demons? But we see that the demons see Jesus' authority and power and they beg not to be sent back into the abyss. The abyss is the name for the watery prison reserved for the punishment of demons. It was commonly thought that demons hated the water and so they would seek out dry places. They don't want to go back to the abyss. It's the destruction of their dominion. And so they, they, they make a request, which is hilarious to me. This is part of the irony of Luke. Um, to be sent into nearby pigs. Why? Because b- pigs were associated with Baal, and they would have been a safe refuge for them. A place to regain their strength. Or keep a foothold in the community until Jesus is left. And then they can return to business as usual. So Jesus grants the request to these demons, but notice what happens. Verse 33. When when the demons came out of this man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. The demon's influence on the pig makes them run headlong into the water. So the demons end up in the one place that they did not want to be. Friends, Jesus is victorious over the forces that have kept this community trapped in fear, and he gives that fear no place to hide. You're not staying in any pigs in this community. You are not welcome here. And then, so the, back to the man, the man's transformation is radical and it's obvious. These demons are gone, and now instead of being naked, he's clothed, rather than being. Uh, living among the tombs. He's in his right mind and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is the, the posture of a disciple. He's come back from the dead. But the story isn't finished there. It doesn't get wrapped up in a neat, tidy little bow like we often expect Jesus' stories to get wrapped up in. Because Jesus has done more than just deliver one man from his torment. He disarmed the entire strategy that this community had of keeping fear at bay. The deals that they've made to manage and control the fear, the economy that grew up around these pigs and the marginalization of this man as a scapegoat, this icon of the God's power, has been ruined forever. By saving this man, Jesus has disrupted their whole way of life. Friends, this is how Jesus' love works in us as well. In disarming our deepest fears, Jesus disrupts the deals that we've made to keep those fears at bay. But this is good news. This is good news because Jesus protects and provides so that fear has no dominion. There is deliverance and healing, protection and provision today in His Lordship. Notice that there is a response required. 
because we're so used to trusting other things to keep our fears at bay. We've all developed strategies and deals to do this, and we're really good at them. We've been practicing them for decades. Jesus brought deliverance to this entire community, and you would think that their response would be joy, excitement, relief. You'd think they would rush to Jesus and and rush back into the town and say, guess what, everybody? We don't have to sacrifice to Baal anymore. It's amazing. We're all free now. Can you imagine? Do they do that? They don't do it. Verse 37 says, when all the people of the region came to Jesus, they did what? Asked Him to leave. Because they were overcome with fear. And so He got into the boat and left. The disciples, when they see Jesus' power on display, they respond with awe and wonder. They ask themselves, who is this man that we are following? When the Gerasenes see that same power on display, they say, get in your boat and get the hell out of here. They don't receive Jesus or this redeemed man as good news. They reject him because they're seized with fear. It's ironic. This is part of Luke's irony. is because Jesus just delivered them from the need to be afraid. And they're too afraid to see it. See, when you've lived your whole life managing your fear in a certain way, when that management tool has been removed, in this case, the pigs and the scapegoat man, then you're confronted with the fear itself. Who will we trust in with our fears? Because you, you're, you're presented with a, a choice at this moment. Jesus presents them with a choice. You're either going to grasp for your old way of life or you're going to trust Jesus. There's no middle road. And so it can feel like a huge leap of faith to trust someone else to protect and provide for you instead of the deal that you've made to keep yourself safe. To have to lay that deal down at his feet. See, the lure of the familiar is so strong in these liminal moments, even if that, that familiarity is bondage and misery and dysfunction and pain. We will often choose those things rather than choose freedom. Deliverance can seem like a threat. It can seem like dying, like giving up your life in order to find it rather than salvation in life. You feeling me on this? So we see in the story that the community rejects their own freedom. They ask Jesus to get in his boat and go. His power is too disruptive for them. And notice Jesus does it. There's a whole other sermon we don't have time to preach on how Jesus gives them exactly what they ask for. But we also see faith in this story too, right? We see faith in this man who's been delivered and given back his identity and his humanity. He trusts Jesus. And because he trusts him, he wants to follow him as a disciple. He wants to go with him. He begs him. There's a lot of begging in this story. 
He begs him, let me go with you. Verse 38. But interestingly, Jesus says what? No. You can't go. So instead, he sends this man back into his community as the very first missionary in Luke's Gospel. A Gentile, an unclean man with an unclean past, going to an unclean town. This is the work of God. Go and declare what God has done for you. This means that that this man's healing isn't just personal. It's not just for him. It's relational. He's given back to his family, to his community. And he's given a a task to do, a, a vocation to embody. Because this man's, again, this man's healing isn't just for him. It's for everyone. He's gone from an emblem of Baal to an icon of Yahweh. From bondage to freedom. Today we proclaim that Jesus is still at work among us, disarming our fears and disrupting the deals that we've made to to keep those fears at bay. Jesus is protecting and providing, so fear has no dominion here. There is safety. There is deliverance. There is healing in the Lordship of Jesus. So I ask again, what are you afraid of? And in those fears, what deals have you made to keep them at bay? What habits or ways of life have you developed to keep yourself safe? What scapegoats do you employ to say, I'm not going to become like that guy? in order to make yourself justified. I remember growing up, I had, a, I had a few family members who were less well-off than others. And I remember part of the story of growing up was, you don't want to be like that one. You better work hard. And so I have this thing in me that I'm like, I have this fear now, if I don't work hard enough, that I'm going to become like somebody I don't want to be. And this fear drives me to do things past my ability and capability, beyond, what, uh, beyond levels of rest that I should be uh, attaining. What are you afraid of? I mentioned this uh, before, but in, in my own life, the, the deal that I made was to turn off my emotions and to numb them, to put my faith and my ability to... Uh, to keep isolation at bay by being sufficient in and of myself, to rely on my own thought life to be my companion, and believing that that's what will keep my fear at bay. And part of Jesus delivering me from this fear is by simply feeling that fear, naming it as a fear, noticing it, and and then inviting Jesus into it. Allowing him to disrupt my fear by confessing it to him. Once again, placing my trust in him to heal me of it rather than telling him to get back in his boat and leave me alone. Part of the way that I'm learning to face this fear is by confessing it to all of you. By entrusting this fear of isolation to Jesus by entrusting it to his people. 
to bear my needs to others and to confess my thoughts that aren't enough to sustain me. To realize that I was made for community and to give myself to community, to, to, to both give and receive in mutuality with other people. This is part of how you live by faith when your fear is isolation. So what do you fear? What do you need deliverance from today? What deals have you made to keep that fear at bay? And how do you need to welcome the disruptive lordship of Jesus into your life right now? Because Jesus is here, amen? He's here to protect and provide so that you don't have to rely on yourself to keep that fear at bay anymore. You don't have to. Let us welcome the deliverance and healing of Jesus today. Let's pray.